Well, if you've got your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 15. And I had a little disappointment today. Yeah, uh, I have a five-year-old grandson. He's graduating from pre-K, and they're doing career day. And uh, they had asked the kids what they wanted to be. And first, he wanted to be an artist and then a scientist. And then he wanted to be a church talker. That's, that's, I, I guess that's what he perceives. I am a church talker. But the tragedy came today. I was all excited when his mom told me that you have to wear stiff pants to be a church talker. Now, he's a shorts kind of guy and a, and a, and a, and a you know, uh, he likes comfortable pants, not stiff pants. He changed his mind. So I don't know how deep his calling is, but uh, you, you, pr you, you pray for my namesake, John the Fifth. Hey, we've been doing a series called Relationship, Building Relationships That Last. Building Relationships That Last, my purpose is quite simple, is to help you build healthy relationships that can last a lifetime, be they your family, your close friends, people in the workplace, uh, uh, people that are associated in your life. There's something about lifetime friendships, and how many know they can happen if we build it on biblical principles? That is the key to this whole series. Well, last week, if you were here, we talked about the power of the words we say. I mean, oh, we looked at the proverb that says, words kill and words bring life. The choice is, is up to us. Well, today, tonight, I want to do, uh, I'm going to call it like a little mini two-part message about why relationships fall apart. How can somebody that was best friends yesterday hate the person today? How can somebody that was in love no longer be in love? How can relationships fall apart? And uh, uh, I, I want to illustrate it. I, I'm going to call it relationship bombs. And, and, and tonight's the first one, but this, I don't know, World War I, World War II, but obviously another plane took this, and they're just flying through the air, and two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve bombs have fallen out of this plane. Now, right now, if you're on the ground, nothing's happened. But in just a few moments, how many know there's going to be absolute destruction? If the bombardier lined up correctly, it's going to fall on a factory that's making tanks, and that factory will be demolished. Lives will be destroyed. How many know that bomb doesn't mean anything right now, but when it hits its target, how many know it has the power to destroy? And how many know there are things that we can do, either knowingly or unknowingly, that can destroy relationships? And this is what I want to focus on tonight. I want to focus on two broken promises and broken trust. And I want you to think about those two things. Next week, Lord willing, we'll pick up three more. But I want you to think about broken promises as being a bomb in a relationship. A destructive power that falls there. And how many know when trust is broken, it's hard to rebuild? But we're going to talk about these two things. And again, I've just entitled it Relationship Bombs Part One. So, uh, but what I want to really emphasize today is for you to be careful. Because how many know sometimes the bombardier says hit the door and the bomb falls? And how many know bombs fall accidentally? I mean, no bombs, the, the, the door is open and it falls prematurely. I remember an old World War II movie when they were, when they were I guess it was the battle, um, uh, it was after Pearl Harbor and they were going back to fight the Japanese and they put in new, uh, a, a, a new transmitter and uh, it would release the bomb at the right time and it went, the electronics were messed up and bombs were just falling accidentally. 
So let's get into relationships now because broken promises and broken trust can destroy your relationship. If you're sitting with your spouse today and you're holding their hand or you got your arm around them, I want to tell you, friends, there are things that can happen that can cause you to separate. So let's understand a couple of them. And how many know if we understand them, then we can do something about them. And here's the first one. Uh, even Christians have conflict, but reconciliation is possible. Now, this is uh, before the bomb, but I want to show you that even mature Christians have conflict sometimes. Even mature Christians can sometimes split apart. Acts chapter 15, Paul and Barnabas are taking the gospel to the Gentile world. Mind you, they are two mature Christians. They have been on a missions journey planning churches, and they said, let's go back and see how the new believers are doing. Now, verse 37, interesting. Barnabas wanted to take along John Mark. John Mark was Barnabas's cousin. Um, let's see. But Paul disagreed strongly. Now, Paul is the senior leader. Why? Because John Mark had deserted them in a previous location. I think it was called Pamphylia. Another, we don't know why he deserted them. Maybe he got scared. Maybe they were throwing rocks. We don't know what the deal was. He could have been attracted to something in the world. He could have missed his mom and dad. For some reason, he left the team, though. But look at verse 39, what I want you to see. These two men of God, their disagreement was so sharp that they... They separated. Barnabas took John Mark and sailed for Cyprus, a good thing. Paul chose Silas, and then he went to Syria and Cilicia. Now, I want to just make some observations, and I'm not going to comment a lot for time's sake tonight, but they're worth going back to. These are all in the, in, in, in the notes. But sometimes, and this, sad, this is a sad observation, sometimes even as Christians, we have conflict. And either we can't, or won't resolve it. And how many know there's a difference? There's sometimes when you're helpless, I don't know what to do, help me. And there's another time I know what I need to do, but bless God, I ain't saying a word until she apologizes. It happens. Um, and that's a sad thing. But now let's look at some other observations in this. Sometimes, and this one is perhaps in a positive light. Did you know sometimes God uses division to realign his church? You remember a guy named Martin Luther? Martin Luther took, I guess it was a hammer and a nail of his day, and he was a, he was a, he was a priest, a Catholic priest, uh, a theologian, and he nailed a paper called his 95 Theses on the door of a church, I think it was in Wittenberg, and it gave birth to what's called the Protestant Reformation. It was a change. It was at that time primarily a Catholic and Greek Orthodox church, but the Protestant Reformation was born. The, the Presbyterians uh, came out of this. Uh, you know, Episcopalians came out of it. I mean, it was just like uh, church, the Lutherans came out of it. It's like the world came to grips with they had drifted from the Bible, and that was a, a, a positive thing. Uh, and sometimes God does this. Uh, how many know Cyprus... That's where Barnabas went. Cyprus heard the gospel because of that. A man named Silas was Paul's partner. So you could say that's positive, but I have a little bit of reluctance in that. And let me tell you the big reason why. Um, and I say this on number three. 
what would have happened if Barnabas had submitted to Paul as his spiritual authority? Now, why do I bring this up? Cyprus, his ministry on Cyprus was the last time you hear about the ministry of Barnabas. Paul spoke about him in somewhat positive terms in Corinthians a couple times, but you don't hear anything more about the ministry of Barnabas in the Bible, whereas Paul goes throughout the whole Mediterranean world. Paul's ministry affects Europe, and ultimately it affects America. And I'm going to suggest to you that if he had submitted to the, what was clearly the spiritual authority, it's just possible he could have worked through it and he could have gone on to something greater in life. He did something good, but how many know sometimes there's a difference between something good and something better? So that's a, that's, that's a powerful observation to me. Um, uh, the fourth one is, what if they'd sought godly counsel before they split up? Now, we don't know, again, this is is some speculation. We don't know, but what if they would have sought and submitted themselves to a godly person? Because how many know godly relationships, come on, matter more? Something has to, when we're trying to pull apart, has to keep us together, even if it's just uh, the fact that, listen, we're a believer. Our marriage represents Christ and his church, and we're going to work through this thing. You got quiet on me. Something has to hold us together. Uh, uh, Godly counsel could have done that if they'd have submitted. But the good news, and I want to close with this, and this is when I share the story. Later, they were reconciled. In particular, Paul was reconciled to Timothy. 2 Timothy 4.11, bring Mark with you. Remember, Mark was the one that caused the problem. Bring Mark with you when you come because he's helpful to me in the ministry. So here we see Paul now, as some time has passed, he's writing to Timothy, his son in the faith, bring along Mark because now there was some restoration. How many know as Christians, and I share this to begin with, there is hope for you if your relationship is in trouble. There's hope for you if your relationship is pulling apart like a piece of gum or silly putty. There is hope because God is a God of restoration. And I want you to hear me today. God is a God of restoration. Be it through, be it through the, the, the frustrations in marriage, ministry partners, business partners, church splits. You often hear of church splits. How many have ever been a part of a church split? Wave your hand at me. Now, what, what pain that caused many people? Well, wouldn't it, have you ever heard of churches rega- restoring themselves to one another? <laughs> wouldn't that be a powerful thing? So I want to start in this relationship bombs because there is hope that God can fix what we broke. God can fix what we broke. Now let's look at the first one, the first relationship bomb and think about that airplane. I want you to think about dropping a bomb in your life. And this bomb is a broken promise. And just as like that bomb, I don't know if that was a B-52 bomber, but as that bomb hit the ground and destroyed that factory it was aiming at, a broken promise can destroy a relationship. Now, let me read you uh, uh, the way relationships should work. This is Genesis chapter 50, verse 14. You remember Joseph and Pharaoh? 
we're, 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 we're sometimes, of course, Joseph, you remember, he came to Egypt as a slave. God promoted him. He spared not only Egypt, but the entire world from a great famine. And this guy is promoted almost like to the vice president of Egypt. And the only one over him is, is, is Pharaoh. So Joseph was the savior. But how many know things change? Sometimes down the road, we don't know how long it was, but it says there arose a Pharaoh who didn't know Joseph. So let's read this. Uh, Joseph, uh, his daddy had died. Uh, and he approached Pharaoh's advisors and said, tell Pharaoh that my father made me swear an oath, take my body back to the land of Canaan and bury me in the tomb I've prepared for myself. So in other words, he goes to his son. He says, son, I want you to promise me I don't want to be buried in Egypt. I want to be buried in the promised land. And uh, uh, anyway, he agreed. Well, after his burial, here's what Joseph said. I will return without delay. And Pharaoh agreed. Pharaoh agreed to Joseph's request. And after burying Jacob, Jacob returned to Egypt. Now, I want you to look at those words again. I will return without delay. Pharaoh agreed, and Joseph returned to Egypt. Again, what we're talking about today, about promises, keeping your promises. The flip side of a broken promise is a kept promise. This is the way it should be. This is how healthy relationships work. We give our word, and we make a promise, and we do it. Let me say it again. We give our word. Now, how many know we can do this flippantly? Have you ever been around somebody that flippantly made promises? Oh, yeah, I'll help you cut your grass, and they never show up. Oh, yeah, I'll take you fishing with me, and they never invite you to go. Well, let me tell you what this does. It forms what, I, what uh, psychologists call a psychological contract. You have given your word to me. You might have just been talking because, I mean, you know, some people do this. They just talk off the top of their head. Whatever's on their head, they don't think about it. They just say it. But the other person has laid on to it as a promise. And when it didn't happen, things got in trouble. So now let's speculate a little bit. But what would have happened if Joseph didn't return? In other words, Joseph said, I'm going to bury daddy and, and I'm coming back to Egypt. But what if he would got to the promised land and, and, and thought, you know, this is a pretty nice place to live here. And God told Abraham that this is where the children of Israel would live. And uh, I, I think I'm just going to stay. One or two things could have happened. Again, speculation, but I mean, you know, Pharaoh could have uh, basically said, well, it's no big deal. He saved us from the famine. We've still got plenty of grain, and he could have forgotten about it. But how many know there's something else that could have happened? Pharaoh could have gotten mad because the bomb was dropped when he broke his promise. And Pharaoh could have gotten mad, sent his army after Joseph, and brought Joseph back and made him a slave. I mean, no, Pharaoh is an ultimate monarch. No one, no one is, is, is more powerful than him. Well, how many know uh, there's a parallel in our life? How about if your boss asks you to do something, you say, yeah, I'll do it, but you don't do it. And then he asks you again, and he reminds you, yeah, I just, I just kind of got busy. I, I forgot. Is he going to just keep on telling you and reminding you? Or is one day he's going to say, you need to clear your desk out. I've had it. See, you dropped a bomb, and at some point he was willing to accept it, and the relationship would explode. That boss could tell you, um, or how about this one? How about you tell your wife, say you've been married nine years, 
And how I many know 10th anniversaries are important to girls? Now, guys, you need to listen to this. Anniversaries are important. The 10-day anniversary of your dating is important. The 10-week anniversary is important. Put it on your iPhone. It's very easy to do. You just put the date on there, hit repeat every 10 days or every 10 weeks. But the 10th year, that's a big one. Well, let's say on year number nine, she says, she says, honey. You're on year number nine now. Next year is going to be 10 years, and it's been the greatest 10 years of my life. And I want us to make a wonderful memory together on our 10th anniversary. And you say, okay. Well, a year's a long time. Tell me you, you didn't put it in your iPhone with a reminder on the calendar. How many know you need to be reminding yourself weeks out? And she's looking forward to it. And she happens to catch your computer open one day, and she noticed it's about a resort in the mountains. And she's thinking, she's not saying anything, but she's thinking, oh, it's going to be cozy in front of the fire. And I, we're going we're gonna to barbecue. But the thing she didn't know is you were planning a trip to go elk hunting in the mountains. <laughs> and you forgot that it was your 10th anniversary. Thursday afternoon, there are openings for marriage counseling, I think, Pastor Mike and Sharon, or have, or, or, or that may be too big for them. The Wittens, wave your hand over there. They've been professional counselors for years. I don't, I don't even know if they could put that back together. But what's my point in saying all this? When we do what we say and keep our promises, we keep a relationship strong. When we do what we say, it makes people feel secure when they can believe us. But if we don't keep our word and break our promise, the opposite happens. Now, there's a lengthy letter. It's in the supplemental notes of my message. It's, you can look at it on the app. I wish I had time to read, the all, read all of it, but you'll get the feel of this. It's about a young girl whose, whose mom and dad got divorced and a promise daddy made to her. Now, this is not just a knock on divorce, people. Listen, this can be a, 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 an ambitious man that works too much. I mean, this applies to a lot of scenarios, but this one is about a little girl at 11, her dad, her, her, her dad left. She said, uh, it's been almost a decade since you left. She's 21. The day is still vivid in my mind how you left me with promises of returning home every weekend. There's your psychological contract. But slowly, every weekend became once a month. And before I knew it, your absence became a gaping hole. Daddy used to come to see me on the weekends, and then he got busy. And now I rarely hear from him. Slowly, every weekend became once a month, and then it was a gaping hole. I went into a spiral. I acted up and I dated guys who were no good. I kept trying to find you in every boy I dated. Every milestone I've had, I can't help but wonder how it would have been like that if you were there to see me do well. Why did this little girl crash? Because her daddy made a promise and he didn't keep it. 
Now, I'm telling you, so now let's get to some solutions here. What do we do if we broke a promise and damaged a relationship? What if you broke your word? This is not rocket science. Tell them you were wrong. Tell them you were wrong, ask for forgiveness, and then do what you promised. Now, listen, if you said, I don't know what, uh, daddy's going to take you on a date. We're going to Red Lobster on Friday night. Well, how many know you had to work late or something happened? She was all in her pretty dress and she couldn't go. Well, how many know there's always Saturday night? And you can even let her order lobster on Saturday night. You can redeem that. But then there's other things that you just miss. How about if your kid's championship game? And this may not just be because you're a bum. <laughs> it may be because your car broke down. Literally, on the way driving to Longview or to the tournament, your car broke down on the side of the road and you couldn't get there. How I many know you can never go back and capture that moment? But you can take him to a Rangers game the next weekend and tell him, Daddy, sorry it broke down. You understand what I'm talking about? See, when we break a promise and damage a relationship, we have to go in repair mode. But now let me flip it. And what if, what do we do if a person broke their promise to us? How many have the type personality where you get angry and blow up? How many have the personality like me where you withdraw and close up? How many have no personality at all? <laughs> Somebody gave a promise to you and it was significant. What do you do? Well, let me suggest this to you. And this is hard for me because I expect and want you to come to me. Here's what you do. First of all, friend, you, ne you need to uh, uh, talk to them when your emotions are under control. Don't do it when you're crazy. Find out why. Tell them how it made you feel because some people are just too brain dead to understand. And then you need to forgive them no matter what they say. Now, that doesn't mean that the door is, everything is the same. But forgiveness is not just for you. Forgiveness is for me. Because if I hold it in, I close myself and become bitter. I'm going to move on now. Relationship bomb number two. It's, it's somewhat similar to a broken promise. But now when trust is broken, relationships can be destroyed. Let's talk about trust. What does trust mean? To trust you means I can rely on you. I am confident in the integrity and honesty of your life. If you work for me and I give you the keys to the building or the, or, 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 or the uh, password to the, to the uh, bank account or whatever, I trust you not to steal. I trust you to make sure that the building is locked up. On the flip side, if we can't be trusted, people will be skeptical. They will be suspicious. And they will be uncertain how to act to you. Trust does this. When there's distrust, there's some level of unable to connect that's there. Um, Proverbs 11 kind of contrasts uh, this. Verse 13, a gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. Well, how many know if you tell somebody, let's say about a, 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 a business opportunity, you know, and something's coming up and you say, look, don't mention anything yet because it's not out publicly for bids. And before you know it, your competitors found out about it because the guy that you told not to tell told somebody. Well, how many know you're not going to tell him again? 
See, trust, tr- trust is, over, is earned over time, but it can be erased in a moment. Let me say it again. Trust can be earned over time. Now, I've been here 32 years. Well, would you trust me if you found out that I was using church funds to go on expensive turkey hunts around the world? No. You sang my praises for 32 years, but one thing, I don't, by the way, okay? (laughs) One thing can break it. There was an old movie, it's called The Firm, and I'm a little reluctant to refer to movies because depending on what channel you watch it on is depending on what you're going to get from it. So, you know, sometimes it's a fast forward, sometimes the channel has cleaned it up for you, but there was an old movie called The Firm with Tom Cruise. He was a young lawyer, and I don't know if you saw the movie, but, but he was working for a group of a mafia men, and he didn't even know it. So they took him up and they took him to Barbados or somewhere in the Caribbean and and they set him up to have an affair. And it was very deliberate because they wanted to get pictures so they could manipulate and control him. So he has a one-night stand with this woman. And uh, he says, quote, it means nothing to me, but he can't just live with it. So the scene is, put the picture up behind me here. The scene is, if you saw the movie, he's about to confess to her. And what he's going to tell her is something like this. I hadn't seen it in a while, but it goes something like this. He's quiet in the conversation. He hadn't said much. She says, what's wrong? And he drops his head. And she said, what's wrong, honey? And then all of a sudden she says, no. What did you do? And he said, it didn't mean anything. He said, when I was in wherever, the Caribbean, wherever I went, this I I had one night saying, why did you tell me? I couldn't live without you not knowing. But I promise you it will never happen again. And she stopped in mid-sentence and said, you cannot make promises to me anymore. I do not trust you. Now, even they healed their relationship, but I want to bring across to you uh, how fragile trust can be. How many know parents trust babysitters not to molest their children? We trust people. Uh, 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 We trust people. Uh, How many know a wife trusts her husband or vice versa when they're going on a business trip that they're not going to go down to the bar and pick up somebody while they're gone? How many know a turkey hunter trusts his friend who knows not to tell anybody where the turkeys are roosting at night? I mean, there's this level of trust because if you tell, if you break your trust, we've lost it. Trust is the foundation of any healthy relationship. Trust is earned over time, again, as I said, but can be lost in a moment. And the Bible talks about the pain of broken trust. Psalm 41, 9, you can feel this. Even my best friend, the one I trusted completely, the one who shared my food, has turned against me. Trust does that. So now let's get to a solution. How do we build trust in the first place? Let's say you're starting a relationship with someone, you're kind of ground level. Well, the most important thing you can do is keep your word. The most important thing you can do is keep your word. Do what you promised. Be honest. Be consistent in your behavior. If you tell your wife you're going to Dillard's to buy a shirt, you better come back with a bag that says Dillard's on it. 
you're consistent. Be where you said you'd be. Don't have a secret life. Share your passwords with your spouse. Live as an open book. You get the picture here. This creates an environment of trust. But now, what do we do if we fail? And probably everybody in this room could say, I've failed in some relationship at some times. Come on. Nobody's perfect. I have failed in some way. What do I do if we fail and trust is broken and I still want to pursue the relationship? Now, how many know it's one thing if it's a, I don't know what, an arm's length relationship, but it's another thing if it's a close one, if it's a partner, if it's a spouse, if it's a buddy. Well, if I fail and trust is broken, most important thing, be honest about your mistake. As hard as it is, how many know, the Bible says, there's a verse that says, be sure your sin will find you out, which means sooner or later it's going to come out. The worst thing you can do is cover up and lie. The worst thing you can do is cover up and lie because it changes you and they will pick up on it. Number two is very important. Genuinely ask for forgiveness. Now, you can't force him to forgive you, but that implies that you acknowledge that what you did was wrong. And again, all this is in our notes. And then what you have to do is rebuild trust. You prove yourself trustworthy over time. Even if she wants to have a tracking device on your phone to find out where you go, come on now, and she gets hung up in a little OCD looking at, she knows where the girlfriend was and she knows you and she's seeing if you ever go... You do, you just rebuild trust and don't put the pressure on them to respond. You just do the right thing. Come on, give the Lord a good hand. Well, I'm going to close with this as the worship team comes back. What do you do if someone has broken trust with you? So if you're on the receiving end of this bad activity and you're the one that feels hurt and violated, well, here's the, here's the first thing. If you're convinced they're repentant, you need to give them another chance. Now, Jesus said you forgive people 70 times 7, but I know you just don't go from something that does that all the way to that. How many know you, you, you make steps, but if you're convinced somebody is genuinely repentant, I mean, they have confessed it to God and you, and they're trying to make change, let them change. Because I'm telling you, you can stop them from changing if you don't believe in them. Now, hear me on this one. If they're lying and covering up, though, you protect yourself. Just because you're a Christian. How many know forgiveness doesn't imply that everything is like that again? Forgiveness means I've turned your justice over to God. It doesn't mean that I just have to do this after you have been an adulterer 14 times. If you're not convinced that they are repentant, you protect yourself until they prove themselves trustworthy. And here's the last thing. You need to forgive them whether they're sorry or not. You need to forgive them because unforgiveness will become bitterness and it will hurt you. See, I don't forgive you primarily for you. I forgive you for me. Because Jesus said, if I forgive men their trespasses, God will forgive me. But if I don't forgive men their sins, God won't forgive me. That's a hard thing to do. But I'll tell you what, friends. Those bombs that fall out of those airplanes, 
I mean, no, we can shut the doors so they don't stop anymore, or we can repair the damage of what that bomb did. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. He is worthy of our praise.